This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Searchwide Global, the premier executive search firm in the DMO space. Mike Gamble and his team uncover the talent out there that isn't looking, meaning that clients get a far richer candidate base from which to choose than just placing ads in publications and online. And their client satisfaction rate across multiple metrics is 98%. If you're looking for a new opportunity or looking for the perfect candidate, call them. You can learn more at searchwideglobal.com. And now on to our show, Ronnie Palma is a provider of solutions, an innovator of inspiration, and a master connector. As the newly appointed chief sales officer for Face to Face, she is eager to utilize her many years of knowledge and experience towards helping her clients in the meetings and events space. With an activist passion stemming from her own diverse life experiences, Ronnie, a 2020 Smart Women in Meetings innovator and a 2019 Connect Sports game changer, has had an amazing career as a leader in successful meetings operations. Her reputation for delivering on her customer needs is second to none. She has a proven track record as an industry leader who is intimately familiar with hotel and destination sales. Ronnie is an award-winning industry veteran and was the first Filipina-American to hold a C-suite position at Visit Oakland and one of the first to hold that position in a destination marketing organization. She also previously worked with Hilton San Francisco Financial District and spent most of her career for Marriott International. Ronnie is a member of and has held leadership roles in a number of organizations, including California SAE, PCMA, MPI, ASAE, and others. She has also served on the Convention Sales and Services Committee for Destinations International for the past two years. In 2019, she earned her CDME, and we are thrilled to have her on the show today. Ronnie Palma, welcome to DMOU. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. Oh, it's exciting. We've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. And, you know, in your just recent transition to face-to-face, we just said, well, let's do it. <laughs> let's talk <laughs> yeah. about it. And actually, the topic that we wanted to bridge with you is one that now, as you're over on another side of our industry, it brings a lot more depth to the conversation at hand. So, you know, there's this old joke that people who speak the same language should not be permitted to marry because they will go into that union believing that they will understand what the other person is saying. And that is absolutely not the case. And when I see conflict between DMOs and hotels, I often think of that joke for while we sort of speak the same language, yeah, we really don't. So your first question, having had success on both sides of the equation with Marriott, with Hilton and with Visit Oakland, what is it that DMOs don't understand that's important to their hotel partners? I just want to premise by saying all sides of the equation. We all have a common goal for bringing in people to spend the night in a hotel, in a destination, preferably a hotel, or depending on your funding, an Airbnb, but typically the hotel. I think what's important to realize is that we're all part of this like events or meetings ecosystem and really understanding where our roles are in this. I I like the point that you brought up about communication. And so I think that we all want the same information, but I think DMOs need to always factor in what the hotels are being benchmarked for. Like when you go to a trade show, they're 
judged on how many leads you get, how many prospecting contacts you have. But the other thing that hotels that, from my experience, have been frustrated with at Visit Oakland specifically was that there was a big drive for leisure business and the focus wasn't so much on meetings or not having enough collateral. But our team initially didn't really understand how the group business was incredibly important for the hotels to build the base. But also like our marketing team didn't realize that when leisure business comes, it's usually through OTAs and the commissions are at 15 to 18% that the hotels have to pay the OTAs, whereas group commissions are seven to 10%. So it's really about, you know, understanding what the focus is and what the demands of the particular market are. In Oakland, when I was working there, it was it was really interesting because I came from the San Francisco market and Oakland compared to San Francisco has a much shorter booking window. So the demand changes rapidly. What they're looking for changes rapidly. And the amount of check-ins that we would have to do with Oakland hotels with what their focus is happen more frequently than, you know, working in the San Francisco hotels. When I was working in San Francisco, I would check in with the DMO probably once, once a year or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. But really in Oakland, like, for example, if in San Francisco, you're booking a program with 150 rooms peak, that program is sourced typically sourced and booked within 12 to 15 months prior to the event. In Oakland for the same event, it's six to nine months prior to the events that it's yeah, sourced and right. booked. So again, it's just a matter of the DMOs understanding their specific market and all the different focuses each of our hotels have in it. It's a lot of work, but there just has to be a way of constant communication between the hotel leadership as well as the DMOs. And I love your thought about it really comes down to how hotels measure themselves and their benchmarks versus how we have evolved. And I think especially for those DMO CEOs that Uh, may not have come from sales, may not have come from hotels. I think there's a reticence Mm -hmm. to admit to that lack of knowledge of what those benchmarks may be. I mean, it's hard for any CEO. And we had this conversation with Elliot a couple of weeks ago. It's hard for any CEO to admit Mm -hmm. that they don't understand or they don't get it or that they're wrong. Sure. And so, you know, I always encourage people that didn't come from hotels to be upfront with the general managers Mm -hmm. and the DOS is saying, Hey, I'm a marketer. I'm here to help. I don't get what you're talking about. And it it really came out. And you and I talked about this in the uh, pre-call to prepare for today is we were working with a bureau a number of years ago where the majority of the hotels were essentially in the outskirts of town. There was a couple downtown next to the convention center and the bureau ran the convention center. And so naturally you've got the hotels in the outskirts of town, We're saying you're driving all the business downtown because all you care about is the convention center. So finally, you know, they brought me in to mediate the the issue. And one of the issues that was really important to the hotels was that they say they had been asking for a PACE report for two years and the Bureau had not produced one. Mm -hmm. I look over at the Bureau side of the table and I go, are you guys not giving them a PACE report? And he goes, yeah, we are. And I look back at the hotels and I went, okay, are you not getting it? they go, they're not giving us a PACE report. And so finally, I just handed the Sharpie to one of the hoteliers. And I go, go up to the board and draw me a PACE report. And he kind of sneered at me. And he says, you don't know what a PACE report is, do you? And I go, no, I I know, but I want to see what you think it is. 
And he went up and he put all these numbers on the board. He goes, that's what we want. <laughs> I looked back at the bureau and I said, do you give him that number? Uh-huh. Do you give him that number? Uh-huh. Do you give him that yeah. number? Uh-huh. I said, does it look like that? They go, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and, and that's what we have to do is we have to reach out, I think, to our hotels and say, how would you like this to work? Yeah. We can't come in and say that we have all the answers. So exactly. to that point, what are some of those benchmarks that you knew as a hotel salesperson that you needed to hit that you didn't see valued over on the DMO side? When I was on the hotel side, I just felt like the DMO or CVB would be duplicating efforts because, you know, depending on the brand that you work with, I worked with Hilton and Marriott, you have the shared clients. And then there was like this constant fight with who gets credit. The thing is like at the end of the day at Visit Oakland, I know when I first came on board, that was a huge issue. And it's like at the end of the day, we share clients and the how I sold it to the hotels was like, well, we are as a CVB DMO, we are fostering and maintaining the relationships with buyers that that hotels clearly don't have the time for. You know, hotels are very transactional. They're working with the contracts. They're working with the concessions and things like that, um, for the most part, generally speaking. But the DMOs are really the ones that are out in the field all the time. They have the time to curate separate client events that they invite their hotels to. So it's really just understanding that, you know, the DMOs foster and maintain the relationships so that the hotels can work with the buyers more easily. Yeah, essentially clearing the path, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So we're working with a DMO right now uh, and, you know, talking with, with the hotel community. And they're saying that the bureau is worthless because they're not bringing new leads. But, you know, when there's third parties mm. and when now with the internet, yeah. there's not a lot of business out there that isn't findable. Yeah. I mean, there was a time, right, yeah. when we were out there developing actual new opportunities. Today, are leads overrated? I think so. I don't think that's a right benchmark to go with. I think the DMOs have evolved at Visit Oakland. We did away with the leads and we did away with the booked room nights. What we really did, I, we made this specifically for Oakland because what we found was there was like a huge hesitation on people even wanting to come to the destination or we had to deal with a lot of um, misperceptions about Oakland and really what our hotels wanted, and this was through a series of interviews and focus groups, was that they wanted to have an opportunity to engage with different clients or different end users and to talk about how well our city works together. So really what Visit Oakland was focusing on was client engagement. How many times do we get our hotels in front of meeting planners in a quality setting? Things like that. So it was really more about how are we fostering and building these relationships for our hotel partners to easily access the buyers? So for our second question, let's flip the tables. Yeah. What is it that you now know, having been a hotel salesperson and then moving to visit Oakland, that they don't understand, you didn't understand at the time, about the DMO? And ultimately, the question is, how do we help them to better appreciate our role in marketing and sales. Sure. I can only speak on behalf of my experience at Visit Oakland, which is the organization is a 501c6. And 
what the hotels didn't understand about Visit Oakland as a 501c6 was that there was an expectation of Visit Oakland to fill in as an extension of certain sales teams like, oh, this is a smaller hotel. You should be the sales manager for this hotel. But there was a disconnect. Outside of their expectation that we should be out essentially serving as their salespeople, are there other misconceptions about DMOs on a hotel side? Definitely. And this is the one thing that I actually learned from working with Cvent. And Cvent had come in to do a presentation for our city. And it was really helpful because in Cvent, they broke down like the purchasing process that a meeting planner goes through. And I had my hotels go because really there were four parts in the meeting planner buying cycle. The first is the awareness mode. That's where planners are seeking the latest industry news, trends, and business practices. The second is research mode, where planners are gathering and comparing details about possible event location. Those first two modes are really for the CVB or DMO, the destination, because you're trying to attract people to the destination. The hotels are really involved in the third step, which is the buying mode, where the planners are actively sourcing meetings and events business. So the hotels don't realize that this meeting planning buying cycle, they're only on step three, where there was step one and step two that was ahead of it. And the last step is the feedback mode, where planners are providing feedback on their experience of the venues and destinations. And this is another time when CVBs can come in. So really, if you look at this four point buying cycle, hotels are only involved in one. I think it, it's hard to realize that there's so much more, there's a bigger landscape to think about because it's, you know, as a hotel, it's easy to just worry about your particular profits, your bottom line, right? But a destination, I think our performance benchmarks are completely different from one another. If hotels understand that our world is much bigger than just the hotel sales side. You know, that would be a lot easier. At the end of the day, we're all a part of this ecosystem and it's understanding how everyone can come out in a win-win situation because it is possible. Yeah. So finally, for your third question, you have just pulled off the ultimate sales trifecta. As we <laughs> noted in your bio, you're now with a third-party platform what do we all not understand about the role of third-party planners yeah. and how we can maximize future relationships with organizations like yours? Yeah. No, thanks for this question. And I'm actually, I joined face-to-face -face because we're not like just a third-party planning firm. This is an organization that's a full-service meeting planning firm, meeting planning agency, in addition to site selection. Most of our clients hire us. So we can produce the whole show operations-wise as well as site selection. So it is really exciting. But I do think that even up to now, with people not meeting for a year or so, depending on the state, I'm noticing that there's a lot more need for expertise. I'm super excited to join face-to-face -face because ultimately, at the end of the day, I really my favorite part of the job was really working with clients and clearing the path to make it easier to do business in Oakland. And so I thought that this would be a perfect fit because I was very involved with the reopening. There's a lot more information that's needed with 
reopening guidelines, right. CDC things, working with counties. And I'm really fortunate to have been very involved in that with Visit Oakland. And so I can transfer it back to um, helping our clients out. But definitely, I think people are going to be more educated or people are more trained now. There's a lot of counterparts of mine that have gotten many certifications. So hotels and DMOs should really be aware of all the different standards. I know that our firm's site selection checklist is like five pages long. It's really intense. So that's something that I think is going to be much different now. And um, just having information that's easy to follow will be very, very helpful. Well, I think the word expertise really hits it because when third parties came onto the scene, what, 15, 20 years ago, a lot of DMOs saw them as the enemy only because they're going to take credit for leads and wins that should have been ours. And if we were being compensated on leads and wins, then that was going to hurt us. We were going to have less leads and wins. And I think it took the industry a while Mm -hmm. to figure out, and I think there's still some people who feel that way, but I -hmm. think that most of us have have come around to the understanding is we have an expertise. Exactly. Third parties have an expertise and hotels have an expertise. And if we can all understand, I don't Mm -hmm. mean to say stay in your lane, but that we all Mm -hmm. complement each other, right? If we complement each other, then then we're going to book more business for the destination. And I think Mm -hmm. part of this, I think leads us to understand maybe the whole problem that we have in this triangle is credit. Yeah. And if we can get past who gets credit, then maybe this thing works much, much better. I think the the beautiful thing about this is it is possible to have a win-win situation. You know what I mean? If I were to go to my clients, right, and say, okay, understanding that this hotel, if you shift your day right here, it would make a huge difference. When you shift your days to what's good for the hotel too, you're going to get more invested employees engaged in your meeting. You're going to get more concessions. And then when you then you tie in the destination to this and activate the local community, you also get a wonderful, memorable experience from the attendee perspective that they really got to experience a destination and make an impact through meetings. And the destination will be able to showcase what they're doing and expose their destination to the other attendees that are there. So it's, I'm super excited to work with clients and work with destinations and work with hotels. I'm really, really excited what we can bring to the table. And I really believe in our face-to-face model network, the partnership that pays. It's like, let's produce awesome meetings and let's save our customers money. And let's make it a win-win situation for the hotels and the destinations. Yeah, make it a win-win-win situation. Yeah, exactly. It's super exciting. Yeah, as Hannibal said in the A-Team, love it when a plan comes together. And that's what you do, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I actually didn't, I wasn't prepared for the overwhelming amount of support that people have been reaching out with. And I'm just excited to work with everyone in this new capacity. Well, it's great to have one of us on the other side because it, it humanizes <laughs> it. It makes it all think that, you know, this is going to work. Yeah. And I think it will. Yeah. I'm very, very optimistic. Yeah, Ronnie, thanks for your insight and all you do as a thought leader in destination sales. Where can people learn more about face-to-face? Yeah. So you can learn more about face-to-face at meetingf2f.com. All right. So best of luck in your new role. Thank you so much. But we can't let you go without 
your bonus round question. Sure. So last month, Long Island's Kristen Jarnigan told us about the summer that she spent on a commercial fishing vessel off the coast of Alaska. You have a marine story as well, but one that has <clears throat> a bit more bite. So please tell. <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk about my favorite, favorite volunteer job that I had. And it was a volunteer scuba diver at the Aquarium of the Bay in San Francisco's Fisherman's Wharf. And it was an awesome job because you fed the sharks every Saturday morning. So every Saturday morning I would go prepare all the chum. I didn't realize that it was three hours of frozen fish chumming. And then I spent the last two hours cleaning the tanks and feeding the sharks. When you say feeding the sharks to me, I, I would take these pieces of other fish and I'd stand on the edge and I'd toss them in, right? I wouldn't actually get in the tank. <laughs> And you're actually in the tank? No, you get in the tank. <laughs> yeah, you get in the tank. And the way it's a very, very, like you have to try out for it. I had to volunteer for maybe two or three months before I can feed the shark. And there are three people that feed the shark. Your first job when you're first time down, you have this kind of like, you know, those barriers on top of a bunk bed. Uh -huh. So you kind of take one of those. And then there's like two people that are fending off sharks. <laughs> protecting the person in the middle who's feeding the shark with like one of those things where you pinch and then you hold the shark kind of like a window cleaner oh yeah so yeah right so yeah so you have to you have to go it's very detailed but it was super fun the water was like so freezing but it was it was amazing i just had to stop because um i kept on traveling for work but i was so sad to to not do that anymore <laughs> so any close calls Actually, I did have a close call. I have a shark bite <laughs> on my shoulder, but luckily, really? yeah, I know that was, I don't know how it happened. It happened so fast. I was actually um, just cleaning the tunnel um, with a glass cleaner and I just felt a bump and I looked over and I saw the shark's mouth chomping on my shoulder but wow i know that the shark didn't want to bite me i think they just wanted to test it because it happened so fast that if they would have bit me i wouldn't have it would have just been whatever but it happened so fast it was just a bump and a little tooth thing <laughs> i have an indentation <laughs> wow. on my right shoulder that's just amazing <laughs> i love them though they're so great i think that you so and great. Kristen have the best summer jobs <laughs> I've ever heard of for people <laughs> that ended up in the DMO world. I mean, wow. That's just, that's fascinating. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, Hey, thank you so much for taking time out. I'm sure your days are just crazy busy right now as you entering into this new field and, and understanding all there is um, about uh, face to face. And uh, we wish you all the best. Don't be a stranger. We hope to see you around real soon. Definitely. Thanks. And uh, again, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. Thanks also to this episode's sponsor, SearchY Global, the premier executive search firm in the DMO space. If you're looking for a new opportunity or looking for the perfect candidate, call them. You can learn more at searchwidglobal.com. The all-new DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, including the book Destination Leadership, our recent position papers on a new vision for community development and board diversity, and links to the Z News, the biggest DMO job board on the planet, and, of course, links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. 
Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time. Thank you.